I have the incredible, difficult job of trying to speak after David has just said that. That is... <laughs> what, even? Man, but I have the privilege of sharing with you all this morning. I don't know where you're coming from. Some of you have called Carol Baptist home since the very beginning. Some of you grew up here. Some of you, this is your first time in church and you're totally filling out of your depths and that's cool. Uh, I hope you feel welcomed home. And it's my prayer that this message will help you. Last year, I spent most of the year uh, coaching soccer for Kids in Coral. And uh, most of the time it was uh, younger, younger kids, a little bit of the time it was older kids, but most of it was younger kids. And I don't know what it was, but every so often, uh, one of these younger kids would come up and ask a question about who I was. Uh, and it almost always was about my age. <laughs> now, I should be used to this because my youth leaders have a thing for this and they regularly remind me how old I'm getting, how I'm getting more grey hair. I got my first OK Boomer the other day and I was like, what even is that? Um, but the real kicker was when I was at soccer and this eight-year-old comes up to me and he's like full of like coming threads of this. He comes up and he's like, no, how old are you? Are you 48 years old? <laughs> And I was just like, how do you even respond to that? <laughs> Needless to say, when my birthday rolls around, I'm not exactly bursting with self-confidence at adding a plus one to my age. But the thing about birthdays, and I guess other significant events, but, but birthdays, the thing about them is they bring us face to face with this big question, who are you? Who are you? I don't know about the... Uh, if we don't know the answer to that question, I think we'll go through life, just getting through another year, another birthday, another milestone, another new year, another Christmas, and we don't know where we're going. We'll just roll through whatever happens and we'll drift through life not knowing where we're heading. And you really can't fulfill your potential and your purpose until you know who you are. Our passage today is uh, that of Jesus' baptism. And it's pretty fitting that we read it since, since David's getting baptised. Um, but I think it's more than just a nice story here. I'm going to read this passage. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, Matthew 3, chapter 13 onwards. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptised by John. John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptised by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. We must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Chapter 4, verse 1. And then the Spirit, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came to him and he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him up to this holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. The temple, so the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. 
And this, the devil took him to the highest peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. This is God's word. Who are you? All of us spend our lives searching for the answer to that question. Whether we realize it or not, we find ourselves searching for the answer to that. Now, you found yourself in church this morning, if you haven't realized. And so I'm a Christian, and I want to share with you three resources that Christianity has to offer when it comes to figuring out who you are, to answering that question, who are you? It's forgiveness, a new name, and weapons for the fight. Now, David Garcia's baptism models this, pro- this process in action. He's in the process of discovering these things for himself, and it's radically changed his life. And I believe that it can radically change yours too and enable you to reach your potential. So, first resource here, the first resource that Christianity offers to help us understand who we are is forgiveness. Baptism, at its heart, is a symbol of forgiveness. It's this symbol where David uh, is putting off the old person. And Ephesians 2, Paul is one of the other Christians, and he describes this process. He's like, put off the old person with all of its lies and its deceitful desires and all the mess, and put on the new person who's created to be like God, and true righteousness and holiness. And there's this process of putting off and putting on, and we do that through renewing our minds. But... The interesting thing is that David isn't going to be perfect tomorrow. You who live with him are going to know that. He's not going to be perfect tomorrow. Just like I'm not. Just like anyone who calls themselves a Christian here isn't. But what baptism is, it's like a stake in the ground saying, I'm not who I was. It's like saying, I'm putting aside that. I'm not who I was. Sure, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I'm going. I'm, I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm not who I was. What about you? When you hear the word forgiveness, or maybe I, forgiveness for you, or something like that, I wonder what you think. Maybe you're thinking, hang on, I'm not such a bad person. However, Brene Brown, who is a social researcher, did a bunch of research into how people wrestle with shame. And her research found that every person, like massive, large-scale studies, every person she um, interviewed experienced shame. The only people that didn't experience shame were psychopaths. And that was the one time that it could have been good to experience shame. But for the rest of us, hopefully, uh, we experience shame. And if you, to know what that actually looks like on the ground, if I was to ask you to fill in the blank here, I'm not enough. I reckon most of us are pretty able to fill that in straight away. I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not smart enough. I know I'm not financially stable enough. I'm not together enough. I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I'm not enough. And forgiveness is the unshackling of us from our mistakes, of us from our failures and our mistakes, what we have and haven't done. Forgiveness is the unshackling of us from our shame. We're living right now 
in a moment of, of uh, cultural identity crisis. For hundreds of years, people have been keeping statistics of mental health right across the world and just trying to see uh, what, what like, levels are like. And for the last 100 or 200 years, things have been pretty stable. Until about 25 years ago, things started to change. Uh, and so in the last 25 years, it's, it's radically skyrocketed. So that now, among young Australians, people my age, uh, 40% of people have anxiety. 30% of young Australians experience depression. 70% experience significant loneliness at some point. That is off the charts. Now, what's changed? And I think while it's a combination of all sorts of things, I think that more than any other time, we've been putting our identity, who we are, in I am what I have, I am what I do, or I am what people say about me. I am what I have. If I could just get that, that thing that I've been wanting, that, that, that new house, that new car, that um, new smartphone, then I'd be somebody. Mark Sayers, who is a Christian uh, pastor and commentator, uh, said, in the mid-2000s, we collectively as a society brought into the lie that happiness equals a new phone every two years. Like, what even is that? How? And yeah, like, I know the feeling. I am what I have, or I am what I do. If I'm a great football player, then I'm somebody. If I'm a great farmer, if I run a successful business, then I'm somebody. If I'm good at what I do, then I'm somebody. Or, maybe more pervasive than all, is I have what people say about me. If people like me, if people think I'm great, if people think I'm cool, then I'm somebody. And yet the statistics alone show that it's not working. It's leaving us, and especially millennials like me, it's leaving us empty, broken, purposeless, shame-heavy, wrestling with deep feelings of not-enoughness. Something is wrong. Can't you see that? Something is wrong. And the antidote, the antidote to that is forgiveness. To be able to say, I am not my past, I'm not my shame, I'm not my mistakes, I'm not what I have and haven't done. But I think the problem, this thing keeps wobbling around, I must be moving around too much. I think the problem here, Mahatma Gandhi realised this when he said, uh, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. And I was reflecting on this and thinking how... The hard truth is, is I think most of us are nowhere near strong enough to really forgive. To really forgive others, let alone ourselves. How hard is it to actually forgive yourself? We need forgiveness from outside. And this is where Jesus' story comes in. Because when Jesus gets baptised, and yet, the crazy thing, as I was looking at his story this week, I realised more than any other person potentially in history, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. It was the book, the book of John, uh, which is one of the stories of Jesus. Jesus gets up there and uh, he has these crazy off-the-wall sayings like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to God. I am the bread of life, which is Jesus' way of saying, I'm the satisfaction to your deepest desires. Jesus knew who he was. And it's not that he was looking for who he was. It's not even that he needed forgiveness. Why did he get baptized? And that he was modeling for us the way that we can experience forgiveness. See, what is, what is baptism? What is David doing today? When, when he goes down into the water, it's this symbol that 
I'm burying my past. I'm burying my past. It's, 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 as I go down to the water, it's this sense that it's being buried just as Jesus died and was buried. And it's this picture, this thing keeps, uh, and it's this picture that um, when it comes out, this picture that just as Jesus rose again, I'm getting new life. David is getting new life. That's the picture. It's a symbol. And symbols are powerful. So the first resource that Christianity offers is forgiveness. To be able to say, I am not my mistakes. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that? I'm not my past, my shame, my mistakes. But forgiveness alone is not enough. Now, the second resource that Christianity has that helps us to discover who we are is even more powerful than forgiveness, and it's a new name. Verse 17, when we look at the story of Jesus, he he gets baptized, and as he comes out of the water, this crazy thing happens. The heavens open, and the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence, comes down, and is like, you are my son. And this voice says, like, you're my beloved son. You bring me great joy. I'm pleased with you. Jesus knew exactly who he was because God told him. He wasn't looking for others to confirm who he was. He just knew because it was utterly clear. You are my dearly loved son. And you know what? Jesus was also modeling exactly what God says about us. The author Henry Nguyen got this when he said this. I was blown away by this quote this week. It's crazy. Are you like me? Hoping that some person, something, some event will come along and give you that final feeling of inner well-being that you want. Don't you often hope, hey, this, this idea, this book, this trip, this job, this country, this relationship, fulfill me. But as long as we're waiting for that mysterious moment, you will go on running helter-skelter, always anxious, always restless, always lustful, always angry, never fully satisfied. This is the compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy and at the same time makes us wonder whether we're getting anywhere in the long run. And this is the way to spiritual exhaustion and burnout. The world tells you many lies about who you are and you simply have to be realistic enough to remind yourself of this. Every time you feel hurt, offended, rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I can't feel it now, is that I am the chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called the beloved from all eternity. I'm held safe in him. When I compare, so Jay with me for a second. When I look at, if I try to make myself someone by I am what I have, I am what I do, or I am what people say about me, I can guarantee you, it's going to suck. Because you're going to get caught in the cycle of, things are great, oh my goodness, I've lost everything. People like me, oh no, things are terrible. Like, you're going to be on this cycle, and that is not the way to live a full and satisfying life. Can I just say, please don't do it. But Christianity offers this alternative way to answer that question, who are you? It's that God looks at you and says, you're my son. You're my daughter. I I love you. You bring me great joy. And when you do that, and it's not to do with how good you are. It's not to do with whether you deserve it or not. It's not to do with how good you think you are or feel. Just simply because God says that about me. When you do that, it gives you something so secure and unshakable that holds you through the storms of life. 
Is that helping anyone? Yes? Do we wrestle with that? Good. The third resource that Christianity offers us is around who we are, is that it gives us the weapons for the fight. Jesus has this incredible revelation of who he is. God speaks to my son, like literally a voice from heaven. You can't get any clearer than that. And then what happens? We started chapter four and, and then Jesus is sent out into the wilderness to be tested. And what's the first thing that happens to him? He's asked, if you're the son of God. Now, just a moment before, God has said, you are my son. And then what's the first thing that happens? If you're that. What's up with that? Because I reckon that's exactly what happens to us. We get a moment of going, oh my goodness, this is who I am. And then the next day, the next week, we find ourselves being sucked back into old addictions and old habits and, and our past. Right? We find ourselves, once we get a sense of, oh my goodness, this is, this is God or this is who I am. And then suddenly, we find ourselves doing the things that we thought we'd never wanted to do again. What's up with that? But our passage shows us something. Jesus faced it. When he was faced with this temptation, he didn't cave in and go, oh my goodness, I'm not who God says I was. No, he looks at it in the face and he pushed back. He chose to believe what God said about him, what the Bible said about his identity, what God was calling him to do, and that that trumped what his feelings said, what, what people around him said, what um, culture says. He chose to believe that there was something bigger and stronger and deeper and richer than that. And that identity is the, the weapons for the fight. Because let me guarantee something to you. If you haven't already, you're going to go through the same things that David struggled with. These questions of how do I, how do I make sense of who I am? What was, what was powerful about David's testimony? It was the fact that where he was was broken, but he came through that and God changed him into this incredible, courageous young man. And that's, that's the weapons for the fight. Because when we get into those places of difficulty, we can either go on that roller coaster or we can have something so unshakable that it grounds us to be able to say, no, I know who I am. I'm who God says I am. Jesus knew this and he modeled it for us. But you know, Jesus spends these crazy 40 days in the wilderness, but that's not the biggest fight that Jesus faced. Because some three years after this moment, Jesus would hung on a cross. And he hung there and the crowds cursed his name and, and it seemed like heaven's eyes had turned away and the people yelled at him and jeered at him. What did they say? If you're the son of God, save yourself. It's an echo. When he started his ministry, what did they say? If you're the son of God, do this. And, and three years later, when it seems like he's at the end of his journey, what are they saying? If you're the son of God, if you're who you think you are, save yourself. And he hangs there and he just is in agony. And it seems like he's lost. This was the ultimate battle, the ultimate identity crisis. And who was he? Who was he in that moment? He became nothing. He became a nobody. He, he wasn't a person. He was just a piece of meat hanging there. He'd been whipped. He'd been beaten. He'd been 
brutally just, he was hanging there bleeding. And Isaiah 52, 14 says this, as we're talking about what Jesus was going to do, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. He hung there. It was, he couldn't even recognize he was a human. Crazy. You know why? You know why God would move heaven and earth to become a person to step into time and space and live a life like ours? Why he would go all the way to hanging there on a cross? Why he would stand there and, and, and let that happen? Why? You know why? It was because he was purchasing freedom for you. What Christians believe is that you know why God can look at you in the spite of your addictions, in spite of your failure and your shame and your inadequacy, and still say, you're my son, my daughter. You know why he can say that? Because he purchased it. It was because on that cross he was saying, son, let me take your guilt. Daughter, let me take your shame and your inadequacy and your feelings. Let me take that so you can take what I have. That's the message of Christianity. So that I can become somebody, he became nobody. He hung there. This is God taking my guilt, my shame, so that I could be welcomed into the family as a child of God. And I I was thinking about this as I was writing this, and I was like, man, if that's what God offers, when I see that all my talk of thinking I'm somebody because of what I have, like, oh, I'm somebody because I've got a phone that's good. I'm somebody because I'm a good farmer. I'm somebody because I'm a good whatever. I'm somebody because people like me. What is that compared to God looking at me and saying, I love you, my child? It's nothing in comparison. Christianity offers the resources for us to have an identity that is so unshakable, so secure, that when I'm tested and tempted and everything falls apart and life throws everything it has at me, I can do three things. One, I can look and say, no, I am not my past. I am not my mistakes. I am not my shame. That's what David's doing today. I'm able to say, I am a child of God. I know who I am. And three, when shame comes knocking, when fear raises its head, when my past says, you're not really different to how you were, I can look at it and say, no, because I know who my God says I am. Can you see how that is more powerful than anything we can say about ourselves? And it brings us to a place where we're able to say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Who are you as I finish? If I was to call you out in the crowd and just say, who are you? What would you say? May you be able to answer that question, not just with who you think you are, but with who God says you are. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we can have an identity that is so unshakable. Thanks that oh, David has discovered that and he's got something that will never shake no matter what life throws at him. That's that God has called him his son. And thank you, Lord, you offer that to any one of us. Help us to wrestle with that this week. In Jesus' name.